I think I have shared before that uh, there's a phrase that I have come to really, really dislike when I go see a medical practitioner. The phrase is, as you age. (laughs) Now, perhaps you can't identify with that phrase, but, mm, yeah, likely you can. And so this has happened several times along the way, and uh, it's quite, frankly, annoying. I have to go see a dermatologist on a regular basis because I had a... uh, basal cell on my, in my left ear and they carved off the top of my left ear a while back, but I have to go over here and get checked and make sure there's nothing cooking. And so one of the times I went, I happened to be being treated by a dermatologist who is from the, from the eastern part of our world, and I had some spots that were showing up on the back of my hand, and they were kind of brownish spots. You may not be familiar with these spots, but nonetheless, I had a few of these, and I said to her, I said, what are these spots. And she said, because of where she was from, she said, aha, those are wisdom spots. She did well, I thought. So anyway, so that has happened. Another thing I've noticed about this aging process, and it really came home to me one time in particular, was this, 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 this propensity for hair to show up in places where it did not used to show up and in wild and undisciplined fashion. And so, you know, nose hairs and ear hairs, I mean, seriously, really? I don't have to cut the top of my head much more, but I have to get out the, you know, the hedge trimmers to take care of my nose and ear hairs. I was at lunch with somebody. This is when it was most prominent to me. I was at lunch with another pastor a while back, and God bless him, he had this nose hair that extended from one of his nostrils. The thing was about three and a half feet long. And, um, and it wasn't just a, 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 a passive nose hair. No, this thing was active and alive. For a while there, I thought I was going to have to get in a sword fighting match with this guy's nose hair. Needless to say, I don't remember anything that he said in this conversation because my brain was totally fixed on the nose hair. So I'm just saying to you, if you have nose hairs, God bless you, please cut them. Or wear a mask. Or wear a mask. <laughs> Amen, brother. I have uh, appreciated, one of the things I've come to appreciate about the mask wearing is that I'm only shaving like every other day now because, hey, who can tell? Well, those hairs and those kinds of things that recur and show up more and more often, there is an issue in the body of Christ, like that cycle of recurring things. It's It's a thing that we have to keep after it, or it keeps coming back. And that thing is speech. How we speak. How we, as believers in Jesus, talk to each other, speak in the public forum, wherever we happen to be on our anti-social media, wherever it is, how we speak is an important thing. So the Apostle Paul is going to help us with this this morning. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're going to focus on just one verse, verse 29, as Pastor Laura mentioned earlier, if you're watching through our website to live feed. There's a translation of the Bible next to it, next to the picture. You can pick one that you want. And um, if you're using your app on your phone or whatever at home, your Bible, whatever, just I would encourage you to find Ephesians chapter 4 and follow along. And here's the thing. How we communicate may be the single most important indicator of Christian relational health. A dad that was coming home work, from work late every day, 
And almost always when he came home, he brought work home with him and stayed up late to finish it. So the little girl, little daughter, five years old, asks mom, what's dad doing? Mom said, well, he's doing work he couldn't get done at the office. The little girl said, well, why don't they put dad in a slower group? (laughs) Truth is, when it comes to our speech, we all belong in the slower group. And as believers in Jesus, we ought to be known for people of genuinely loving and gracious speech. Our church should be famous for that. You and I, as we walk through this world, when people interact with us, they should know when they see us coming that graciousness is on its way. And uh, it's been clear since the election season and well before that, there's been some less than gracious speech out there. I don't want it to come in here. I don't want us to be guilty of that. So again, when we're out there, we want to be models of graciousness when we talk. So... The Apostle Paul is going to help us this morning see that we need to keep our speech under control so that you and I can be instruments of grace and peace as we extend the message of Jesus. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. One verse. Paul says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, when I do these Sunday morning rambling things, I don't often use alliteration, but this morning I'm going to. Because Paul, in this passage, he gives us a prohibition, he gives us a plan, and he gives us us a purpose. So first, what's the prohibition? It's crystal clear, no doubt about it. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. None, nada, yet, kind, zippo. The force of the grammar construction in this passage in the first part of the verse lets us know that the Apostle Paul was talking to the Ephesians about something that both he and they knew was going on. And he was telling them to knock it off. And there's an absolute nature of this prohibition. No unwholesome talk. Not a little, not some, but no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Later, and and, excuse me, elsewhere in the Bible, this word that the Apostle Paul uses here to describe unwholesome speech is a word that means rotten, like rotten fruit. And when it's used in our conversation, we can be sure that it's going to hurt somebody. Some translations say bad language, some say foul talk, some say corrupt talk, but this goes way beyond the occasional slip of four-letter words. And trust me, I know that you guard your speech a little bit when you're around me, but it's possible that occasionally a four-letter word or two slips away from you. I know that. Me personally, it never happens with me. Amen, brother. 
We, in a previous church, uh, Pastor Laura and I put on a, a program to invite seekers to come into the, uh, the church and have conversations about the Bible and the importance of Jesus. We called this program Delta. And as part of this program, we had uh, a meal, kind of a buffet kind of thing. And one day, for one of these sessions, somebody brought in some vegetables. Now, I don't remember exactly what these vegetables were. I think that it, was, it was broccoli. Why? But broccoli... But apparently this broccoli had gone bad. And when she opened up the container of the broccoli, it let out this horrific stench that immediately permeated the room. And so she took that broccoli or whatever it was, and she quickly got rid of it, like take it to the dumpster five miles away, get rid of it. But the stench remained. And that is the same impact that our speech has when it is rotten. The stench remains. And Paul here is not just talking about to those intentional moments of wounding with our words. It's also a failure to realize the impact of our words when we're less careful. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Eugene Peterson, who has now gone to be with Jesus in his translation called The Message, he says this, rash language cuts and maims. And he's right. That old adage when we were kids, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but names will never hurt me or something like that. Wrong. I know people who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s who are living with the legacy of wounded speech from back when they were just a wee lad or lassie. So, purpose, no unwholesome talk. What's Paul's plan here? It's twofold. Twofold. The first part of the plan is knock off the bad talk. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But the passage goes way beyond that. It goes beyond quitting the bad talk, to encouraging people to build others up with good talk, good speech, encouraging speech. Again, in one of my encounters with a physician who did utter that phrase, as you age, who took my blood pressure and he said, it's high, it was high. And so he told me I needed to stop doing certain things. And have you ever noticed that when the physician tells you to stop doing certain things, they are always things that you really like to do? Potato chips? So he said I had to stop doing certain things, but he also said that I had to start doing things that were better for me. It wasn't just a matter of stopping the harmful stuff. We had to layer over that doing stuff that was helpful. Now, it's taken me a long time to take that in, but I'm finally doing it, and I'm glad that I am. So Paul contrasts here in this passage rotten speech with what the New International Version of the Bible says is helpful speech or good speech. You see what's happening here? He's just encouraging us to be active, proactive, energetic, and finding ways to build people up with the way we talk. A lady named Marianne Bird in her memoir entitled The Whisper Test tells of the power of words of acceptance in her own life. She was born with multiple birth defects. She was deaf in one ear. She had a cleft palate. She had a crooked nose and lopsided feet. You can imagine that as a child, Mary Ann suffered not only these physical impairments, but also the emotional damage inflicted by other children. 
Oh, Marianne, her classmates would say, what happened to your lip? She would lie and say, I cut it on a piece of glass. One of her worst experiences at school, she reported, was the day of the annual hearing test. Now, back in this day, the teacher would call each child up to her desk, and the child would cover first one ear and then the other, and the teacher would whisper something to the child like, the sky is blue, you have new shoes. This was the whisper test. If the teacher's phrase was heard and repeated, the child passed the test. To avoid the humiliation of failure, Mary Ann always would cheat on the test, secretly cupping her hand over her one good ear so that she could still hear what the teacher said. One year, Mary Ann was in the class of Miss Leonard, one of the most beloved and popular teachers in the school. Every student, including Mary Ann, wanted to be noticed by her, wanted to be the teacher's pet. Then came the day of the dreaded hearing test. When her turn came, Mary Ann was called to the teacher's desk as Mary Ann, the cleft palate, deaf in one ear, crooked nose, lopsided feet, Mary Ann was called to her desk as Mary Ann cupped her hand over her good ear. Miss Leonard leaned forward to whisper, and Mary Ann said, I waited for those words, I waited for those words that God must have put into her mouth. Because Miss Leonard did not say to Marianne, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. She whispered, what she whispered was, I wish you were my little girl. Words that build up. Words that encourage. And what strikes me about this is it's just not that hard to muster a moment or a word of encouragement. And I've got to tell you, in our day and time, thanks to the year 2020, which was a bit of a catastrophe on multiple fronts, People are desperate for encouragement. It's the perfect picture here from Miss Leonard of the kind of work that the Apostle Paul wants you and me to do. And whether we realize it or not, we often deal with people who are marred in some way or isolated in some way. They don't need us reinforcing their wounds with rotten speech. They need words of encouragement from us so they can endure and maybe even thrive in the middle of their circumstances. So we, as a caution, we can borrow from the book of James here. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Man, how often I have that backwards. I don't know if you've ever had to drive down a hairpin curve. Have you ever had that experience where you've had to navigate a hairpin curve? Here's the thing you cannot do on a hairpin curve. You cannot, as you see the curve coming up, jam on your brakes and stop all of a sudden. You'll tumble. The car will go out of control. Know what you have to do when you're beginning to navigate a downhill hairpin curve is start to tap the brakes gently as you go. You and I, When we talk to others, we need to be tapping the brakes gently as we go. And that gets us to the purpose here, this one verse from the Apostle Paul. The purpose is the benefit for those who listen. And as Pastor Laura read from us from the book of Galatians, we get a lot of help in this area, and I need a lot of help in this area, from the Holy Spirit in me bubbling up Things like patience. 
self-service checkouts at the store. I read once, I don't remember where it was, but I read once that somebody asked somebody who was approaching the checkout counter if they wanted to do the self-service checkout. And the lady says, no, I don't work here. And I have been at a self-service checkout, and I happen to be at one in the early days of the self-service checkout era. And this particular self-service checkout system was designed to tell you to remove your items if something went awry with the checking out. And so I'm trying to put stuff in the bag, and the machine is saying to me, please remove your items. I'm trying to put stuff in the bag, and the machine is saying to me, please remove your items. And this happened about 10 times. And finally, I said to the inanimate machine, would you just shut up? Of course, there was a lady standing right next to me who was blessed by my graciousness of speech. Sometimes we feel like we've got to get something off our chest. No, we don't. And if there's something significant, then we bring it to God or or to our mature believer in Jesus who will hold us accountable, not just for what we say, but for how we say it. I think it's a measure of the understanding of biblical truth is whether we see that our speech must not only be true and pure, but that it must impart grace to those who hear it. It must benefit those who hear it. Pastor Laura and I are addicted to British TV shows. We've exhausted almost all the good ones, but last night we stumbled across one that's about a woman in a small British village who is invited, she's the historian for the village. Really, she just works in a gift shop at the local castle remnants. But anyway, she's invited by a radio person to come and just share a little bit about the village as its 500th anniversary is approaching. 500th anniversary is approaching. The radio personality interviewer person gets her drunk. And in the midst of her drinking and being drunk, she shares every piece of village gossip gossip that she knows. Radio personality takes that interview, he cuts it and edits it, puts it out there on the radio, and suddenly this woman is the pariah of the village because she couldn't keep her mouth shut and spoke wounding speech about everybody she knew and loved. We haven't gotten to the last episode yet, so we don't know how it ends, but... What a perfect picture. You know that as you uh, encounter those in the medical arena that they recommend to you a minimum daily requirement of vitamins and iced tea. And um, it's true. You have to listen listen carefully. It's true. So here it is. The minimum minimum daily requirement of our speech is that it's supposed to be true and pure. But Christians are supposed to go beyond the minimum daily requirement to get past that so that when we speak, we benefit those who listen. And man, whether you realize it or not, whether we realize it or not, people are always listening. Sometimes we see that they're listening. Sometimes we don't see that they're listening. And I got to tell you, the anti-social media these days is driving me stark raving mad. 
Because people are speaking silliness. And they're not just speaking silliness, they're speaking silliness in hurtful ways. Man. There's another thing going on, though, here. And that is the notion of accountability when we speak. Jesus helps us see this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 36. He says, we're going to have to account for every careless word. Again, Eugene Peterson, in his translation, the message says this. He translates it this way. Every one of those careless words is going to come back to haunt you. If you've been watching the evolution of the computer over the last 40 or 50 years, you realize that they've gotten the capacity, they've built this capacity to put more and more and more and more information in the smaller and smaller and smaller space. I just recently purchased a one terabyte solid state drive for my computer. It's this big. It's this big. Back in the day of the original computers, they could only put a couple of megabytes on a thing that was the size of a refrigerator. A terabyte is a one with 12 zeros after it. Now here's the thing. There's gonna come a moment when we're gonna be held accountable for our speech and I gotta wonder how much capacity my speech drive is going to need to account for every careless word. I hope it's not a terabyte's worth, but it might be. What size do you think you'll need? What will you hear when he loads your stuff up? I solicited last night people's favorite 50s and 60s songs, their favorite line from their favorite 50s and 60s songs. I had some people reply. I've got them all here, so I just thought I'd share them with you because some of these, uh, uh, well, you'll hear. So Tiffany said, Blackbird singing in the dead of night, take these broken wings and learn to fly all of your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. From the Beatles. Yeah. Steve... A little bored last night, weighed in several times on this thing, offered up these words of wisdom from 50s and 60s songs. How much is that doggy in the window? Tutti frutti. 16 tons, Tennessee Ernie Ford. Roll over Beethoven. Maybelline, from Chuck Berry. Wake up little Susie from the Everly Brothers. And apparently, just this morning, we heard their dating song, Steve and Nina, Fly Me to the Moon. And let me play among the stars. Which version? Was that Dean Martin's version of that song? Frank. Frank Sinatra's version of that song. Interesting. Leslie Draper, Carol King, I Feel the Earth Move Under My Feet. Uh, in, a, in a line from a song which I think is about the year 2020 from Jimi Hendrix, there must be some kind of way out of here. Marvin Gaye speaking directly to the topic of this morning. I heard it through the grapevine. Ralph, 
I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. And I've got to say, these are my personal favorites of the folks that uh, replied from Bev and Larry. Bev's was dedicated to the one I love. Larry's was crying in the chapel. When we lived in England, and my mom and my dad was in the Air Force, when we lived in England, my mom and dad went out dancing one night with some friends of theirs back in the era of the, of the you know, those beginning motion dances like the twist. And um, my dad came home in, uh, in, uh, with bandages and on crutches, bandages around both knees and on crutches. Because apparently he had learned that the words to the song Twist and Shout had a whole new meaning because he tore the cartilages on both his knees while he was dancing with my mom. And there's that song, Splish, Splash, Please Do Take That Bad. One of my favorite songs. Uh, it's about my relationship with the love of my life. Pastor Lord, how sweet it is to be loved by you. James Taylor. But the coasters hit upon a lyric that fits what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us this morning. And here is the prescription from the Apostle Paul, phrased in language from the 1950s, the coasters, yakety yak, don't talk back. Perfect. As we try to live out the words from the Apostle Paul to let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only that which will benefit those listen. So as we move forward together, as we move forward into the rest of the year 2020, whatever that's going to look like, as we move forward in difficult days uh, nationally and locally, as we move forward in complicated times, let's, let's, let's listen to the coasters, shall we? Yakety yak. Don't talk back. Pray with me.